If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey, about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. I'm your host, Dr. Erica, and today is a special solo episode. Yep, I am the host and the guest. Today will be part getting to know Dr. Erica mixed with exploring how to simplify your life because doesn't life just feel sometimes way too complicated, almost like a Facebook status? So you might be wondering what questions will this episode answer? Number one, who is Dr. Erica? Well, a little bit more about me. Number two, why does life feel so complicated? And number three, how can you simplify your life to decrease stress and increase joy? Now, the thing about there not being a guest is we'll be able to get right into this. But let me tell you one thing is you may want to write a few things down as we go by. You may listen to this again, or you may want to share it. Now, let me tell you how we share in Better Nation. It's really simple. All you have to do is share the information that you thought was really great on social media and use the hashtag better nation. Is it that easy? I know you've got this. So rather than talk forever, since I am the guest too, we might as well go ahead and get into this episode. Better with Dr. Erica. Now, one of the things I've told you before is as much as I hate to admit it, when I'm tired or exhausted, I end up watching more TV. And when I'm really tired, then I don't necessarily have the energy to process as much. So I don't listen to quite as many podcasts because when I feel like I'm clicking on all cylinders, all of the tanks are full, then I listen to more podcasts and audio books. But sometimes things just get a little rough. Like one of the reasons it kind of got rough is the other week when I was working. A patient threatened to kill me. That is a little bit stressful. And people don't always know the ins and outs of what it's like being a psychiatrist, especially working in the hospital. And right now people are really, really sick, which makes that work a little bit more draining. So I'm in the same boat as you as far as looking for ways to fill my cup because it feels like sometimes the bottom of my cup, instead of being closed, is a sieve. So I talk to you about these things. I do them too, because I'm human. Now you might be wondering, who is Dr. Erica? How did Dr. Erica get there? And since we talked about me being human, 
I think it's a good time for me to share my real story. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the true story? I've been watching a little bit of Real World Homecoming, the true story, um, but I'm not on Real World. I don't have seven random people I'm living with. <laughs> it's just me. So let me tell you a little bit more about me. So let's go ahead and talk about the real story, the true story, the story behind the story. So I was born to doting parents. So my life started out like a fairy tale. When I was born, there were three men at the hospital other than my dad saying they were my father because they were such good friends with my parents. Now, we're not going to get into what they thought about my mom since there are these three dudes. This is pre-Mori, basically like I am the father, um, which isn't the truth. But nevertheless, there were all these people. I was born into so much love. It's ironic, though, that three other people were there saying they were my father. And my dad actually missed the delivery. He missed my entrance to the world. His back went out and he ended up going to the ER. Go figure. But he made up for it later. So I'm an only child and everything revolved around me. But I'm only a little spoiled. And they were just so loving. I grew up with so much love between my parents, my family. My parents have a very close group of friends that I grew up with so much love. Naturally, I look back and I'm like, well, how could I fail? I grew up with so much love. So I go ahead and I'm doing what I'm told to do because by nature, I am a rule follower. <laughs> I am I was that kid that would really be agonizing over doing everything exactly right and following all the rules. And my mother has a little bit of a Napoleonic complex, but I digressed. So I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I end up going down to college at Spelman College, which was phenomenal. Graduated from Spelman, then went to Emory University School of Medicine, fulfilled my lifelong dream of becoming a doctor. I'd wanted to be a doctor since I was three. If you listen to the episode with Dr. Renee, we talked about growing up with asthma and bad allergies. And I was one of those kids in the ER all the time turning blue on the PE teacher, all the good stuff, or not so good stuff. And I'd want to be a doctor because I saw my doctor all the time and I was in the emergency room. So it's quite natural that that's what I wanted to do. And I'd wanted to do that as long as I could remember. So graduating medical school was, was it. It was like I did it and I was the first doctor in my family. So my parents were proud. They love calling me their doctor daughter. I think they're more proud of me finishing medical school than I am. So, you know, I'm checking all the boxes. I then did general psychiatry training at Morehouse School of Medicine. So I had another historically black college and university experience. Took a quick pit stop in DC for congressional fellowship and then ended up at one of the Harvard programs at Children's Hospital Boston to study child and adolescent psychiatry. So I really thought I was doing it. I not only went to Spelman, I made it to Emory, I made it to Harvard. I'm like thinking, I'm doing this. I'm checking the boxes. I'm doing everything I'm told to do. And I am making it through. So you fast forward, I finish all that. And, you know, going from being a student or a trainee in any field and then going to being a full-fledged 
adult slash employee is an adventure. Things are very different as a student or a trainee than as in medicine, we call an attending. But I know it happens for you, too, when you go into the real world with real world um, working responsibilities. So I had this job and at first it looked like it was going to be the great job. I thought I was going to be making a ton of money, saving lives, enjoying the wonderful city I was living in. I thought it was going to be fantastic. I had no idea since everything had been going so well that I was about to get hit with a huge curveball. You might be wondering, what is that curveball? Well, this curveball is, is I went from what I thought was going to be my dream job to that job that was a nightmare. Have you had a job like that that you went into and you thought this is going to be great? This is going to be exactly the job I want. And you get there and realize it is something entirely different. And you're sitting there like, this is not what I signed up for. Well, I had one of those jobs. So I had, number one, it was one job, but it was too many jobs. I was the associate medical director. I was the director of the consult liaison service. I saw patients on two different inpatient units, and I taught. It was too many jobs to begin with. And we had a four-person call group that went down to three because someone died. That means I was literally on call all the time. There were just three of us. So I'm working all the time, up late on call all the time because call was rough. And all I can think of was the soundtrack to that was like Michael Jackson um, working, working, working day and night. Uh Uh-uh. That's how it really felt. So I'm doing all this now. It would be one thing if I'm working all the time, saving lives, a little bit tired, but I am saving lives and making money. Here's the twist. I was saving lives, working all the time, on calls all the time, and making no money. Say it with me. No money. I was making no money. I was getting paid by reimbursements, and that happens sometimes with doctors. You get paid on what gets sent in. And this is where the biggest myth is when it comes to medicine is people get bills for things and they think the doctor gets all that money. So that big old hospital bill you got, I, we didn't get the money. <laughs> so I was working, but I get checks back from insurance for $0, $4 and $12 of entire hospital stay. So these are, it's not just seeing somebody once, you know, you've been seeing people from days up to a week or more and getting paid not per day zero dollars four dollars or twelve dollars total so i was working all the time and a lot of my pay was actually from reimbursements but i wasn't getting reimbursed so i effectively was working all the time and making no money who wants to do that i at one point i realized i could sit on my couch and make the same amount of money on the couch just sitting. Now, it gets tricky. And I know this happens to all y'all. We usually don't end up working somewhere with literally no contract. So it took some finagling to get out. And I remember waking up every morning mentally exhausted and just feeling like crap about the fact I had to go into work, work that hard, and not get paid and be in an environment where it seemed like nobody cared 
that I was working all the time and not getting paid. Cause naturally sometimes you'll feel a little bit better. At least somebody cares, but it felt like nobody cared. They just wanted me to do more and more, even though I wasn't getting paid. So I would sit on the floor of the shower every morning. And I always remember that shower because it had the most beautiful green glass tile. And I love glass tile. And I can still taste how the salt of my tears would miss with the water as I'd sit on the floor dreading going to work every day. And, you know, I wonder if many of you out there have had those experiences where just the thought of going to work just feels terrible. And I remember sitting there thinking, wondering, how did I go from a situation that I thought was going to be my dream job where I was fulfilling my purpose and saving lives and doing what I love to something that just felt like soul-sucking torture. And in that moment, I just realized I have to do something else. Something has to be different. So I hired, well, took two attorneys because, <laughs> you know, those kinds of contracts, they're like some income guarantees and things like that. And I actually stopped getting paid while this was going on. So Nevertheless, we'll just say it cost a lot of money to leave that job, but I did. Um, I felt like the dude, Jaman Hansu in um, Amistad, going, give us a spray um, when I finally got out. But it just led me to my purpose of not wanting anyone else to ever feel that powerless or to feel like no matter what they did, it just wasn't going to make a difference would it just feel unheard and I can't say undervalued, just not valued. So that led me to who I am today. I'm Dr. Erica, Harvard trained, double board certified psychiatrist and integrative lifestyle coach. I'm extremely passionate about helping people be better, do better and live better. I do that through my adult telepsychiatry, my books, including Fix Your Fairy Tale, A Woman's Guide to a Great Life, Love and Legacy, my speaking. And this podcast, Better with Dr. Erica. And thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. I do all of that to help busy people like you that show up for work, show up for your friends, show up for your family, show up for your community. And often don't show up for yourself or look around and no one's showing up for you. I do all of this to put you back in your life. And it's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is it's so easy to get so caught up in work and survival and what I want for each of you is more than survival life is supposed to be more than that and I want more for you because you were created it to deserve more than that sound like a plan Better with Dr. Erica. it's time for ask Dr. Erica one question I frequently get asked is what are some trauma specific therapies One is EMDR, and it was recently featured on an episode of Lone Star 911. The Rob Lowe character actually had EMDR. Now, you might be like, what is EMDR? It stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. I know, that is a huge mouthful. It's like a tongue twister, an intellectual tongue twister. So, how does it work? During EMDR therapy, you'll attend to some emotionally disturbing material or thoughts in brief sequential doses, so brief doses, so it's not this, you're sitting, talking constantly about something bad that happened. 
while simultaneously focusing on an external stimulus. I know that sounds fancy. Let me break that down. So you're going to be thinking about a distressing thought in brief doses while you're attending to an external stimulus such as lateral moving light, which is what they use in the show. But it can also include hand tapping, audio stimulation, and some other modality. Um, I've actually done this myself and we use hand tapping. One of the reasons that I totally believe in this type of therapy is that it gets results. I've seen it work. Also, for a lot of my patients who have experienced trauma, it doesn't include a type of processing that they're talking about their trauma in depth over and over constantly. So it ends up feeling safer because that can feel emotionally draining. And the thing that happens when you unlock those kinds of memories in extreme doses is sometimes it's hard to put it back put it back in and put the lid on it so someone can function. So one of the things I love about EMDR is since it's those brief sequential doses, that it's not this constant talking about it in a way that makes people feel unsafe so that they can actually feel safer and present actually during the therapy itself. The other thing is it can work rather rapidly and everyone's looking to feel better as fast as possible. So there you have it, the short version of what is EMDR. Now back to the show. I always laugh every time I say getting to know you. It makes me think of, was it Sound of Music where they had that song? Getting to know you, getting to know more about you. I need someone to comment and let me know what um, musical that was from. Um, You're stuck with me with my musical stylings because it is just me. So... We talked about kind of how everything gets, there's just so much going on. And one of the things I want to talk about a little bit is we talked about how I watch TV and I was watching New Amsterdam last week. And there were two things that really caught my eye in that episode. One is there's a character named Helen. I'm not sure exactly what she does. She does something with oncology, but I'm not 100% clear because she'll be doing extra Sundays. So I don't know if She's just straight oncology, which I think she is, or she's supposed to be some type of oncological surgeon. But they had all gotten drugged at a club. She had a reaction to it called DICE. It was clotting everywhere. And there's this moment where she has all these clots and they talk about potentially having to give her a hysterectomy. And in that moment, she made a decision up working out okay on the show I will be a spoiler I suspect all of y'all aren't watching the show that having her uterus was the highest priority and I spend a lot of time with women number one I grew up with a bunch of women number two I went to Spelman I went to women's college so a lot of my inner circle is women number three A lot of the people I work with, including speaking and patients, are women. And one thing struck me when I saw that scene, um, because there's constantly dialogue around the meaning of a uterus and the meaning of the ability to have children for women, along with the 
desire and ramifications of wanting children. And sometimes I wonder, like when I was looking at that, is how much is this burning desire, the end all desire to have children to the point where people will decide to prioritize that over their own health or even over their own financial livelihood? That feeling, that burning desire, how much of it is organically there versus how much of it grows from the societal pressures and the societal way of identifying women as their primary identities are supposed to be mothers and wives. If there was not so much weight put on that as an identity, would people be so strong-willed about being mothers? I wonder. I don't have an answer to it. <laughs> I have a suspicion that it's more than a singular answer. But I was li- I was really thinking, like, you know, there are so many times that people will make choices around this desire to be a mother. And they're really big choices. So I wonder sometimes if people would still feel that way if society didn't have so much pressure for women to be moms and to put that as one of the biggest ways to embody femininity. I guess you could tell I've thought about these things because I wrote a whole book, Fix Your Fairy Tale, A Woman's Guide to a Great Life, Love, and Legacy. So you probably know I think about that. But the other thing that came up in this episode of New Amsterdam was there's a character, like all the a bunch of doctors got equivalent of roofies on steroids. And the person that did it was angry at doctors, especially with COVID and feeling like it was a conspiracy. And one of the characters made a statement and said, when did doctors become the enemy? And it resonated because there are times where people think we're the enemy, that we're money hungry and we're trying to steal everybody's money, get all people's money. We're trying to drug people up. We're all in cahoots with the vaccine people, the pharmaceutical companies. It's so many things. And I'm not saying everybody believes this, but it's enough that as a doctor, I feel it. And one of the only ways we can combat it is in our human experience, presenting to people with pure intentions and hoping that our intentions and our actions are enough for people to have faith in us. But it does make being a doctor hard, probably because there's a lot of sacrifice. And this isn't a pout about being a doctor. You know, it's it's an honor and a privilege to be a doctor and be able to take care of people when they're the most vulnerable. It truly is. But the, our health system is, it's flawed. It's difficult. And unfortunately, sometimes we get painted as the bad bad person in it when it's actually not us (laughs) so um my what i just encourage you is to be open to listen to the real story um to be open that 
a lot of us have your good interests or your best interests at heart. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle, show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments, and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com. That's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. And that just brings me to the next thing, which is this isn't a doctor specific thing, but it comes through my lens because I am a doctor and a psychiatrist, which is that Actually, it's not through the lens of a doctor and a psychiatrist. (laughs) But one of the things I try to do, and I try to do it before, but I really try to now with COVID is to intentionally call my friends, especially people I don't see that often. And I don't see that many people. We talked about it before. I'm not the most be out in the world COVID person. But I was talking to one of my best friends and she had said like right now her theme song is this part of the Lauren Hill song, X Factor. You may remember it. And um, the line goes, it could all be so simple, but you'd rather make it hard. And that just, that I felt that in the inside of my soul, just inside it, because I feel like, at least for me and a lot of the people I work with and I talk to, is there's this longing to have that simplicity back. How often have you talked to people and you sit and you talk about how simple it was when you're in college or you're a child and you didn't have all these responsibilities, all these things to do. And I know for me, I often think I just want things to be simple. So a lot of times what I'd like to talk to you about right now is If we all want simple, what's getting in the way? What's getting in the way of simple? Well, it can be work. I mean, there's so much work. I feel like we're all working. And with the impact of COVID, a lot of people are understaffed. So you're working harder and more. Just the adult need for money and feeling like there's just not enough family. Dealing with aging parents because we're getting older, children, friends, not just from an interpersonal standpoint, but also our friends are getting older too. So there are all these different health scares and responsibilities. Just surviving in a pandemic, dealing with issues of race, gender, LGBTQIA+. You get it? It's just a million things seem to make life more complicated. Dealing with health issues dealing with self-esteem, dealing with how you feel if you gained weight, 
just there's a long list of things that seem to make it hard. <laughs> so since we all want it to be simple, we talked a little bit about what's getting in the way of it being so simple. But I like to be a little bit more solutions-based here. So let's talk about some ways to make it more simple. Because at the end of the day, one of the reasons we're trying to get it simpler is to get rid of that angst, that anxiety, that frenetic pace, the feelings of frustration that can come when it's complicated. So at the end of the day, the reason we want it simple is to increase our emotional and cognitive capacity, your mental capacity, and to be able to feel good. So let's talk about some ways to make it simpler. There are two areas of the better seven that are really going to show up here. Those are silence and structure. Now, if you're new to me, the better seven are these seven areas that are essential to having that better life so you can be better, do better, and live better, and to claim that life you were created for. So back to these things that can be helpful with making it simple is number one is intention of really thinking about and being intentional about not only what you want to do, what you're doing, and exploring what is the intention and the motivation behind your behaviors. The next way to work on making it simpler is to pause. If you feel like things are getting really complicated or they're getting really, really hectic or chaotic, or you're starting to feel anxious and overwhelmed, there is power in the pause. Sometimes you just have to stop. Now, what does this look like? Sometimes I'm at work and I feel like I'm running around and I will literally sit down at my desk. I will put down all of my papers. I won't click the keyboard and I'll just sit there for a moment. And sometimes that pause can be literally just stopping. It can be breathing. It could be meditating. It could be praying. It could be saying affirmations. But sometimes you just have to stop and pause. So those were obviously silence, intention, and pause. The next is you need to prioritize some time for yourself. And this gets back to structure, where a lot of times it's very easy to prioritize your family and to prioritize your job and potentially even prioritize organizations that you're in a member of. But you have to start getting in a habit of prioritizing yourself. And one of the ways to make it simple is to start working on prioritizing time for yourself. And one of the easiest ways to do that is put it in your schedule. Put you in your schedule. I know, sounds revolutionary. The next thing is if these actions seem hard, have an honest talk with yourself and, and think about what is making it hard? The reason you're going to think about what is making it hard is it'll help give you an idea of what are some of what are some of the blocks. Because at the end of the day, this is some of it is action, some of this is fact finding, so you can come up with a plan. The next thing is thinking about if you're not prioritizing yourself, what are those other priorities? What are you prioritizing? And this is an honest conversation with yourself because I actually had a conversation with my therapist and I remember she was saying, I sacrificed working out for work. And I did, I was getting up early 
to work out, but I wasn't working out. I was doing work. But to really start thinking about what are your other priorities, you have to be honest with yourself and and not sit and say it's you and it if it's not or it's your family if it's not. If it's all work, then it's all work. This is a non-judgmental zone. This is a non-judgmental moment with yourself. But if you're not honest with yourself, you're not going to be able to get to where you need to get. And once you start thinking of, you've already thought of what seems like is making this hard, what things are getting in the way, what are your other priorities? Oh, I, I just told it. Is You're going to think of what is getting in the way. What is keeping you from making yourself a priority and making sure that the things that you're doing are aligned with the life you want or where you're trying to be? See, I know it sounds so simple when I just tell you like that. And the last thing is, is as you start coming to the realization of what's getting in the way, what are your priorities? What do you want to start taking action, even small baby steps to get you there? And as I I love Dory, so just keep swimming and you'll get there. But to make your life simpler, it takes an intentional streamlining to get rid of the noise. And to work to get things aligned with your purpose and your values and to still prioritize yourself and make space for yourself in the middle of that. And that can take practice. Sometimes it takes a coach and sometimes it may take a therapist to help you figure out what's getting in the way and how to really make space for yourself in your own life. Because I said, one of my goals of all of this, including this podcast, is to put you back in your life, to help make space for you. And when things get really complicated, it's very rare I talk to anybody and they're saying, my life feels really complicated. I feel really overwhelmed. And they actually are making space for themselves. It's just rare. I haven't seen it. So I just want to encourage you to keep being on this journey with me. So that's what I have for you. This is a little bit of a shorter episode because I just want to do some quality time with you. But thank you, number one, for showing up. Give yourself a round of applause because you showed up for you. I appreciate you showing to listen to me and trusting me to be in your ears. But at the end of the day, you showed up for you because this podcast is for you. I do it for you. So thank you for showing up. The next thing is if you like this podcast or you love it, please, please subscribe or follow and then you'll get all the bonuses and all the things. The next thing is if you enjoyed it, please um, rate or review it. It helps me get even better content. So thanks in advance. And the next thing is share it. Don't let this podcast be the, the best kept secret. Share it with the people you know, people you care about, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your Uber and your Lyft drivers social media, wherever, just share it. Thank you so much. I want to tell you one thing before we head out of here. I want you to take your left hand, put it on your right arm, take your right arm, put it on your left hand, give yourself a big squeeze. I know we're still in this pandemic. Everyone's not always getting as much physical touch. I want to encourage you, give yourself hugs, give yourself some love. You deserve it. And that's what I have for you today. So thanks again. Um, You know, this podcast comes out weekly, so keep tuning in. 
I feel all of the love and I am giving it right back to you. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. 